0: Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn, or if you're on your tablets or on your phone, we're going to end up in Matthew chapter 16 as we launch this brand new series called Noise. Now, to help you understand, and you may have seen the social media post and Just like the website, CrossroadsCommunityChurch.com, you can also find us on Instagram and other social media platforms, and it's an easy way to to stay connected, and we send out stuff throughout the week, and we kind of put a teaser out there, and it had the definition of noise on it, and I want to read the definition so that we can understand what we're about to dive into. It says, noise, a sound, especially one that is loud, or an unpleasant, or a disturbance. It's a sound, normally that's loud, that's usually unpleasant, or it's a disturbance. Now, we are not going to focus on audible noises for the next four weeks. It's actually going to be the next five weeks. I'm excited to tell you this is something we've never done before. Uh, Me and Pastor Sam are going to co-teach this whole philosophy of noise. I'm going to be with you for three weeks And I'm still going to be here, and Pastor Sam's going to be with you for a couple of weeks as we work up to this worship night, and he's going to share his heart and what God's put on his heart as our worship pastor when it comes to worship. And him and I have already been talking. It's going to be awesome. But you need to get ready. I believe this is going to be a major, major, major launching point for us as a church. And again, we're not talking about noise like chirping. We're not talking about noise like a big drum. We're not talking about noise like, you know, the gifts that your grandparents get your children. They're like, "Uh uh-huh, payback, you know. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the noise, and let me tell you the way that I wrote it down. If you have taken notes, you may want to write it down this way as well. I want us to look at noise because of this is the why. You ready? Because it's hard to listen to your heart if you cannot hear it because of the noise in your life. It's hard to listen to your heart When the raining noise in your head is so loud that you can't hear what God's speaking. If you look at God's word, he always talks about this concept of the heart and speaking to the heart. But most of us, we listen to what? Not our heart, but our head. And we're getting bombarded through a lot of different concepts. And that's what we're going to be talking about. And today and in 2021, we are bombarded by many different things. And I want us just to be able to look through this, and it's not going to be a political platform. I just want us to be able to figure out how can we block out, silence, decipher, discern the difference between noise and God speaking. Well, one of the things I'm excited about is, is I, have, I have a brother-in-law, he. he really has an amazing concept in what he does. His name's Brian Osborne, and, and he taught me something a few years back that I thought this is so good, and it really fits where we're launching. And he spent some time traveling and speaking and talking in particular about the first few chapters of the book of Genesis. He works at a place called AIG and travels for them. It's a great organization. Uh, if you've ever been up to the Creation Museum or the Ark, that's who that is. But he talks about the aspect, and now this is key. If you're taking notes, you need to write this down. Where your starting point is will affect everything else. Like like your view of something and where your view and perspective is coming from will really change a lot of what you're looking at. I I brought a little prop that I wanted to show you. This, This is a twofold prop. This is to explain a point and also to help some of my guys out there that don't realize what's in a week, all right? And so, but if you think about it, We used to call them rose-colored glasses, but you know, if I put these babies on, yes, Amy, I'll have those next week for you. You're welcome. But all of a sudden, the lenses in which I look through changes everything. If you grew up during the 70s, you would hear the concept of rose-colored glasses, and they were all the fad. Because of this guy named John Lennon and this little group of four guys that came over from England named the Beatles. And they would talk about these rose-colored glasses. And when you put them on, it would change your perspective. It would change the things that you look at. Like right now, you guys are, you know, like y'all, y'all are sunburnt. Like every one of you been out in the sun way too long. The problem is, is that's not reality. It may be the lens that I'm looking through, but what I see doesn't make it the truth. The reality is, is truth is the truth. And you need to be careful from what lenses you're putting over your life that you're determining what you're going to decipher as truth or not truth. For some of us, and notice I said us, for some of us, we have a lens issue we want to talk about how we love people. We want to talk about how we love God. We look like, woohoo, man, hearts and butterflies and rainbows. The problem is, is what we're looking at is distorted. Some people will use that terminology and they'll talk about a worldview and the way that you look at something, the way you perceive things, and what type of a worldview do you have. And there's a lot more on this. You can go to The Answers in Genesis, they have a lot of great information up there, but that's not where I'm going today. What I want you to think about is what lenses are you putting in your life that's determining what you're looking at and what's truth and not truth. It's because of this that I'm so excited about all of you guys and what you guys have been doing with all these Bibles that we're selling Because listen to this, if we will allow this Bible, God's Word, if we will look at our life through the lenses of God's Word, I promise we will start to be able to decipher through some of the noise, and we will be able to hear what's in our hearts. Most people don't have a belief issue. What they have is a lens issue. They're not having an issue with what they're believing in. What they're having an issue with is what they believe is the truth. And the reality of what the truth is, is distorted. They need to take off the rose-colored sunglasses and go, Okay, now this is the way it was created. The only way you can do that is by being in God's Word. That's the reason why we try to emphasize that. And it's been so amazing to see literally 80 to 90 of you guys buying brand new study Bibles. For those of you that don't know, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but the only difference between those God's Word and what you may have is most of you may have a reading Bible, but you don't have a study Bible. There, there's not really notes. There's not different things in there. And we want to encourage you to study God's Word, not just read it. It's one of those things, get that. Because as we start talking about noise... It really does boil down to perspective. And so the first question I want to ask you today before we dive into God's Word is what lenses are driving your life? What are you looking through? Are you looking through a past experience? Are you looking through a broken relationship? Are you looking through something that mistreated you? Are you looking through some sort of dramatic or traumatic thing in your life? Are you looking through the death of a loved one? Like, what is your perspective of who God is? Because that really is going to determine what you think when you get bombarded by 50 million things. Like, this is really just the introduction to what we're going to be doing for the next few weeks with myself and Pastor Sam. But it is extremely important that you answer the question of who Christ is first before you start trying to figure out what's noise and what's God's voice. Well, in Matthew chapter 16, we actually have an example of this. And I want to look at God's word and allow it to show us What we can do moving forward. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. And I want to show you something that God put in my heart a couple of weeks ago as we were preparing. But today I want to talk about the aspect of who Christ is and and, in this aspect of noise. If you look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, I just want to break down these few verses. It says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Now, let's just pause for a minute. It would really behoove you to kind of know a little bit about what's going on. Caesarea Philippi was roughly about 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. It was recently just named Caesarea Philippi after one of Herod the Great's sons named Philip. But they used Caesarea because they worshipped Caesar. This place was known as a hub for worshipping pagan gods. It started with Baal. And then they moved from Baal because of the Greek influence in this area, started really worshiping Pan, the Greek god Pan. You, you know that from different movies that you've seen, the one that has the, the legs of a goat and has horns, but he walks around with his pipe and does those different things that he plays on his little instrument. There's probably a lot more technical term than that, uh, but I, I call it a pipe, <laughs> you know. It, it, but now they've moved into this worship of Caesar. And so they've actually just recently in this time period, changed the name of the city into Caesarea Philippi after Caesar and King Philip. And so there is a major stronghold that is on this community as far as what they worship and what they believe about God. That is important for us to understand because Jesus is in this, this mecca of pagan worship. He's in this capital of religious thought, but it was wrong. And he asked his disciples, who do the people say that I am? I believe, as we dive into this aspect of noise, that is one of our issues. Most of us try to let everybody else in our life determine who God is and to define who God is and tell us who Jesus Christ is rather than for us to get into God's word and see who he actually is. Because when you listen to somebody including the pastor on the stage, you get his perspective. You don't necessarily get your perspective. Now, I do want to say something. I promise that the things that I talk about and the things I do on this stage, I take extremely seriously. I have learned, and I don't understand why, that over the last three years, my words hold weight. And if you were to go to 1 Thessalonians, there talks about a special judgment that I'm going to have on the basis of the things that I teach about and the way that I love and shepherd you. And that's not a, "Mm, boy, ain't that great. That's a, please pray for your pastor because I want to be accountable and I want to do things rightly. So I will tell you that you can trust the things that I say, but I will encourage you to take the things that I say and go look at God's word and let those be your beliefs, not my beliefs. I want you to have the right lenses in your life because of you knowing God's word, not because of me studying God's word. So with that being said, they ask him and they say, who do people say that I am? Well, these disciples, most of them had a Jewish descent. And so here's what they started saying because they were probably talking to mainly Jewish people. Verse 14, and they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. These answers which are wrong, were actually very valid and good answers. Because if you were to do a little bit of research, what they're talking about is some of the Old Testament prophecies and some of the things that had been taught to them back in Old Testament time. They were actually answering correctly, but the problem was is they were basing that on the noise that they had heard through the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious leaders and the Jewish zealots, and so they were just speaking of not what they knew, but of what they heard. We call that noise. They are bombarded, and they're not speaking out of their heart. They're speaking out of their mind in what somebody had told them. And their answer, again, it wasn't that their answer was wrong. It's just they had the wrong starting point. They were looking at it through the wrong lenses. And so then he asked them, talking to the disciples, verse 15, and he said to them, talking directly to them, but who do you say that I am? Can I ask you a very real question? I don't want to know who God is to your parents. I don't want to know who God is to your family members. I don't want to know who God is to your wife or your spouse or your husband, whatever it may be. What I want you to answer today is who is God to you? Not, well, you know, Pastor Mickey told me God's blank. Well, you know, I'm in a small group with Miss Carrie, and it's great. and We meet on Friday mornings, and, and it's a great group of ladies, and it's awesome, and we discuss a lot of different things, and, you know, and Miss Carrie does great, and, and she told me God's blank, or I read this book, and it's blank. You know, Mark Batterson's this amazing author, and I just read this great book about the prayer circle, or I read this great book called The Grave Robber, and this tells me that God's this and God's that. I want to know from you, who do you? Say that Jesus is. Because if you can't answer that question personally, as we start talking about noise, you're going to have an extremely hard time understanding what's next because you're starting from the wrong lens. Can I say something very bold but lovingly? To miss this question of who Jesus is is to miss the entire story. You cannot end up where God wants you to go in your life if you miss this question. And if you get caught up and you Google, you go to Wikipedia, you drive around to different churches, you start asking different denominations, you start asking different priests or 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 pastors, or go down to the mosque, or you go over to Utah and talk to somebody in the Mormon church, like you can very quickly have a lot of noise that hits you. And not only could you miss this question, it literally could cost you everything. Billy Graham, who is one of the most amazing evangelists that ever lived, If you've ever listened to one of his messages, it's the most simplistic. It's not like this deep theological, like, hey, I want to go deep. He's just like simple, like to the point. But one of the things that he was famous for is he had kind of a percentage in his head. And I don't remember exactly what the exact percentage was. But it was close to about 50% of the people in the pews are going to storm the gates of hell with a false sense of who Jesus is and not knowing who he really should be to them. He put it in a message. He called it 10 inches. It's the difference between your head and your heart. And it's the difference in knowing about God and having a relationship with Jesus and having a relationship with God. Well, let's, let's look at how Peter, our boy, he steps up. You ask a question, Peter's the first one to answer. Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. If it was Greek, it would say Petros. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loosen on earth shall be loosened in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Now, I got extremely intrigued in how Peter could have such a great answer. So great that he says, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. But at the, end, at the end, he says, but don't tell anybody. Like, I, simple-minded guy here, why? Like, if it's, like if, if I'm at school and I need a little bit of help and you got the right answer, tell me the answer. You know, like, I need to know the answer. Like, a lot of times, that's how a lot of things will happen. People will come to me and, and they'll say, hey, pastor, what do you think about blank? And they don't want me to sit there and go, well, you know, uh, I'd like to tell you, but... I can't. So you don't know? No, I know. But I would encourage you, to like, it's somewhere between Genesis and Revelation. Just go dive into there. You're like, no, man, give me the answer. Like, if we know the answer, give the answer. And the question is, why? And it's in this word that he used when he says, you are the Christ. And understand what this really means. If you were to look at this word Christ, it's an amazing, amazing word. It comes from the Greek word Christos. And so, if you were to look at it, in fact, it became symbolic in the New Testament that whenever you saw the Greek letter Chi, it resembled as the first letter of this word Christos, which meant Christ. This is the reason why at Christmas time people will put X-mas. They're not taking Jesus out of Christmas. No, that's actually a more direct way because Christos was symbolized by the Greek letter. Chi. For some of my hootie-hoo girls in here, they are in this sorority called Chi Omega and you know that Chi stands for Christ and Omega talks about he's the end. You say, Mickey, you're not supposed to know that. Well, I'll let everybody know. Sorry. But that's some of the foundations in what they do. Those Greek letters mean a ton. But it was more than just Christ as far as Christos in the Greek. It actually backtracked Into a Hebrew word as well. I'm gonna do the best I can to pronounce this, but it's Mashika. Mashika. In fact, it would normally be said Mashika ben David. And that was the Hebrew that it cross references that goes back into 1 Samuel. If you want the reference, it's 1 Samuel chapter 7, verses 6 through 16. And what this is talking about is this aspect of who Christ was and relating him specifically to David and the anointing that had been put on David's life and that it went through Samuel and was this lintage. See, the crazy word that's there, Christ, literally translated means the anointed one. How many times have you heard people say Jesus Christ? And you just think that, like, Christ was his middle name, like, like Michael Tracy. You know, and you thought, well, I know Jesus' middle name. It was Christ. No. They called him Christ because he was the anointed one. And they called him this because he was taking, listen, you had the Jewish people who he asked, who do those people say that I am? And they were using their Old Testament prophecy. The problem was they stopped short of the anointed One. Whereas Peter, being revealed from God, had showed him not just to stop at Old Testament prophecy, but to continue to what was to come. And he says, you are the Christ. You are the anointed one. You are the chosen one. You are the one that we've read about. You're the one that's going to take care of all these Old Testament prophecies. You're the one that's going to show your life, going to give your life like everything. That word Christ was more than just a simple word. And on that word, all of a sudden, his vision will become clear. See, on that word, he would take off Petros, would take off all of his Jewish background, all of his religious zeal, all of his teaching as a child, and memorizing all the different customs and the Feast of Booths and the Feast of the Tabernacles and all these different concepts. And he would start looking... At the world, totally different. And you know what Jesus' response was? Petros, on that confession, I'll build my church. And if they'll stand on that confession, not even the gates of hell will be able to prevail against my church. Do you know why some people struggle so greatly with what's going on in their life? You know why people really get sideways when they feel like all hell's breaking loose? The reason why they get so sideways is they start it with the wrong perspective. They look at Jesus as a Savior, not the anointed one. See, there's a big difference between being the anointed chosen one And just being my Savior. Don't mishear me. A part of being the Anointed One, one of the attributes of being the Anointed One, was He would be the Savior of the world. But being the Anointed One meant that He was more than just the Savior of the world, He was also the Lord, He was also part of the Trinity. He was also the one that fulfilled the 400 plus prophecies. He was also the one that sat at the right hand of God. He all of a sudden, with the right lenses, through Christ in his confession, this amazing word of God, we know is true. But for most of us, we struggle, don't we? We went to a service and... Somebody talked about hell and how bad it was, and at the end of that service, they said, hey, if you don't want to go to hell, raise your hand. And you being the amazing, wise person that you were, or just listening to somebody talk about fire and brimstone and pain and gnashing of teeth, you said, I'm not the sharpest crown in the box, but I know this, what you just talked about, yeah, I don't want to go there, let me have it. And that's who Jesus is to I want to handle this very, very carefully. I am not saying that if that is your experience with Christ, that it's not real. I am not saying that. But what I will say is if that's all you know about Jesus, you don't understand exactly who he is quite yet. Letting Jesus be our Savior because of what we know about hell and what we desire to be with him in heaven is a great starting point. But it should never be the ending point. Because if you start and end with that particular phrase, it's really hard to hear what's in your heart because you're being bombarded by a bunch of noise. See, you start asking questions like, why do good things happen to bad people? God, if you really love me, why is this happening? God, I've been doing my best. I've stepped out. I'm I'm serving. I'm doing what I have. Lord, I I mean, I'm I'm even giving tithe and offering. I mean, I'm really trying to focus on you. I'm doing what you call me to do. Why are these things still happening to me? And it's because of your starting point. You say, Mickey, are you going to answer that question? Sure will in the next four weeks. And it's going to be an amazing, amazing journey. And it's going to lead us to a point in time that we can truly sit down. And on that Wednesday coming up on the 24th, we're going to have an amazing worship service with our worship dream team and with Pastor Sam. And there's not these devotionals planned. There's not like they're working to give you an amazing experience. And it will make more sense. But today, can I ask you a very simple starting point question? Can I reiterate one more time how important the lenses you're looking through are going to affect where you're going? Can I ask you, who do you say he is? For some of you, you may say, Mickey, I don't, I don't know, but I know this. Whoever he is, I want him. Can I tell you, that's a phenomenal starting point. You know why? Because he wants you back. Not only do you want him, but he's up there saying, oh, baby, that's why I went to the cross. That's the reason why I rose on the third day. You know why I did that? Because I want them. Like it's an amazing love relationship. Could you imagine what life would be like If I was married to my spouse, and I was like, ooh, baby, I want you. And she's like, yeah, I'm not really interested. Like, that would be kind of tough. You know, to every day be like, I love you, and I want to be with you, and I can't wait. And she's like, yeah, I mean, I'm just, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, every once in a while, I mean, you have some good moments. And it'd be really funny if it didn't describe our spiritual life, wouldn't it? Some of us want Jesus when all hell's broke loose. Some of us are like, Lord, I'll go to Africa. Just help me get out of this situation. I mean, we will petition and leverage everything in us, won't we? And what Jesus is saying is, listen, I love you. And he wants you to say, in God, Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, I love you too. And let that define everything in your life. Rather than the noise, my life's defined by stuff I buy. My life's defined by relationships in my life. My life's defined by achievement, goals, money, They say, you know what, my life really is defined by the anointing one. See, here's what's amazing. Is the more you study this word Christ, not only is he the anointed one, but he's also the one that does the anointing. We call it called. You say, I have a hard time figuring out what God wants in my life. You know what you have a hard time with? knowing who Jesus is to you. Today, with all the love in my heart, can I get you to very simply say yes. Lord, I don't really understand everything. Jesus, I'm still kind of getting bombarded by a lot of things in my life. There's a lot of noise. But I know right now in my heart what he's talking about out of God's word I want that. Now, is that going to mean that all of a sudden this, this roof's going to fly up and this light's going to shine down and there's going to be a dove and woohoo and everything's going to be perfect and you're going to go home and everybody's going to call you today? It's like, you know, we've been having problems. I just felt led that I need to call and ask for forgiveness and you're going to go to work tomorrow and everything's going to be great and you're going to look at the books and it's going to be like, wow, we got more money than ever. And your boss or you are the boss going to come in and be like, this is great. Like, I mean, tomorrow everything's going to be awesome. I hope not. Because when things get like that for me, you know what I start doing? I start taking my eyes off of who Jesus is. And I start looking at what I do. And I start going, boy, I'm nailing this. And Jesus says, boy, I love you too much to make you start to think that you're that great. Even though I made you more than a conqueror, I'm going to leave a little bit of a thorn in the flesh. I'm going to leave a little bit for you so that you know that you still need me to be the anointed one. See, most of us, we want to live like the anointed one, not the one that received the anointing. And today is a day of taking off those rose-colored sunglasses. And saying this is who Jesus is. And this is who he says I am. If you're encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at CrossroadsCommunityChurch.com.